everybody. Welcome to Kinozoid podcast where we talk about uh Kino. I am David Frouchy, the host, joined with uh, co-host and cohort Peter Udlog. Hello, Peter. Hello. Or Indiana Jones. He's got the little hat on right now. And that brings us <laughs> to the topic of today's uh episode Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny and a discussion on the series as a whole. So, further ado, let's get uh, cracking. So, we just saw Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I, yeah, I saw it twice. You saw it once. Um, yeah, once. So, overall, what did you think of it? I liked it. Uh, I didn't read any reviews before it came out. to saved myself from that, but you were telling me, you know, it's, it's not getting the greatest reviews. It's it's only 60-something on Rotten Tomatoes, and yeah. Well, when some when they this, some of this lower press, you know, things were going on, but so I wasn't really paying much attention. I wanted to have my own opinion on it. I enjoyed it. I liked it. No, it's really good, and it premiered at Cannes, and I think that's kind of what because uh, when originally when the reviews first came out was at Cannes, which was a month before the release, and it was at like like thirty, you know, twenty percent. Um, and that's the other thing I kind of want to talk about too at some point is the reviews for this movie because some of them just seem very, um add with an agenda versus critiquing the movie as a whole and it feels like they're just attacking the movie for not being the original three uh but anyways indiana jones and the dial of destiny is the fifth and uh final movie in the beloved indiana jones franchise um harrison ford's last time playing the character um the only film not directed by spielberg and the only film with none of uh, george lucas's involvement but Steven Spielberg is an executive producer and was very much a hands-on producer and talked with uh, James Mangold, the director, every day uh, during shooting. And uh, this movie picks off about, what, 14 years after Crystal Skull? Uh, yeah, Crystal Skull was 1957. This is 1969. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, the beginning of the movie opens with quite quite the entrance. Well, so first... It's like a, it, the first, yeah, the first 20 minutes or what? It's like a lost Indiana Jones movie. Right. You know, they usually <laughs> have the the Paramount um, dissolves um, to like whatever the opening shot of the movie is. They don't do this, but they do have the Lucasfilm logo dissolving into this lock. And the, the beginning of the movie is about 25 minutes. Um, it is 1945, 47. It's like the end of the world. 19, world war... 19, they're saying Hitler is about... The world the war is about over. You know the Nazis are packing up their loot train. Um, 1945, so it must be late April, probably around eight, around mid April, say 45. Yeah, and it's um, mid mid March maybe because Hitler Hitler on April 15th, so say March. Okay, March uh, <laughs> 1945, end of World War Two. Uh, Nazis are lo losing the war. Um, they're packing up all their treasure to send to um, Hitler. And uh, Indy Anna Jones is after the spear Leonidas, which is the spear that uh, stabbed uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, Long Longinus. Longinus. I don't know my uh, my Greek, apparently, or whatever. It's Greek or is it like a... Roman? Roman. Roman. See, I don't even it's know. It's the Roman centurion spear that pierced Christ's chest on the crucifix. Then he oh. caught the blood on. No, he didn't catch the blood. He off. No. Yeah. Hey, he pier he pierced Jesus' chest. How uh, how Christ-like. Um, yeah. 
it gives it has mystical powers and and the the cool thing about this is it obviously like uh, Harrison Ford can't play Indiana Jones like he did in the 80s because he's 80 years old himself and so they decided to uh, de-age him with CGI and it is you know for the most part looks really really damn good it's probably the finest uh, de-aging I've seen like there are few shots here and there where it looks a bit off but overall it looks like they filmed this whole scene in the 80s and like are now releasing it yeah the only a couple of times yeah when he's you know whipping his head around it looks a little bit suspect in a couple of shots but the only time i really noticed a digital double was when he gets on the train the first time he gets on the train and he's kind of running across the uh the top of the train you're right it's like that's obviously a digital double that guy's way too bouncy looking right it, like but doesn't other move, than that, move like old man indy no and it, that's it, 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 it kind of moves like an old stop motion puppet yeah it's kind of that jerky janky action where it's not quite realistic looking it looks like a rod puppet that's kind of mean hand animated so maybe it was a conscious choice to make it crappy looking yeah, I don't know. I I think it's really smart though for the movie to begin with the sequence because it kind of gets people in the mindset. It got like, me in. It right. Me it's like this is an old Indiana Jones adventure. This is like what you would have seen in the 80s. This is what have been like the perfect, you know, Spielberg Lucas film. And it's like 30 minutes. It's like in the solid fourth of the movie, because the movie's like two and a half hours long. And it it like it feels and it's shot very much like an old Spielberg movie. Um, the introduction of Mads Mikkelsen's character. I'm not going to remember his name, but he's the Nazi scientist who ends up being the main villain throughout the movie. He um, realizes a spear Leon, Le, Le, Leonardo DiCaprio, Le, Leonardo da Vinci. I don't know. The, the spear that killed uh, Jesus Christ. Um, no, Jesus. Oh, he, it's stabbed he's Jesus already Christ. Much and he's, the blood he's already became, pretty much dead. He's just you know, making sure. The, the, the blood was put in the Holy Grail in the Last Crusade. Um, so the, they, this, they, uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character re realizes that the spear is a fake and is trying to warn, you know, the main general in charge of the whole operation. Of course, he's not having it. Um, Indiana Jones <laughs> is after the spear. His buddy, uh, played by Toby Jones is here, is there with him and he gets captured and that's kind of how they interwine. And then that's how, you know, they, in they meet, um, um, Mads Mikkelsen's character. I'm just going to call him, um. Nazi ma mathematician. Just... Well, his his character's name is Schmidt, but then he goes, "It is Jürgen Voller." Oh, it's Jürgen Voller. Like, Jürgen. Yeah. It's like everybody's calls him Schmidt, and he goes, "Actually, my name's Jürgen Voller." Jürgen Voller. Yeah. Um. He's a, so... he's he's you know he's a he's a kind of a interesting guy to be a bad guy for an Indiana Jones movie. Well, he is, and that's what's kind of interesting too. Is again, all the reviews are saying saying he was like the like not a well developed villain, but none of the villains in the series have been well developed. Like they're pulpy adventure movies. Like yeah, um, and he's interesting because there is a lot of historical context with him because after World War II, you know, of course, um, U.S. did recruit a bunch of Nazi scientists and mathematicians to help out with NASA and you know a bunch of other operations. And his character is he's a mathematician, basically put man on the moon, uh, which yeah. is he's. Basically, a, a more evil version of Werner um, von Braun. Is that a real character? Is that a real like person, or is that like a movie character? Werner von Braun was uh, in charge of the Pinamunda facility, and he's the one that developed, or helped mainly develop the V two rocket, because his dream was to go to space. 
and then okay. Operation Paper Operation Paperclip after World War II. Um, the U.S. He, he he intentionally surrendered to the United States or Allied forces because he he knew that they would get a better chance of um, maybe going to space and being treated fairly if he went to the Americans instead of the Russians. All right. So um, yeah, he went over to the states and um, the he's started working for the government and working on rocket designs and uh apparently he was his team was readily available to um send up a satellite before the russians put up sputnik but the u.s government didn't they had two programs running at the same time we're kind of divulging dividing onto a separate topic here but they had like right. two projects going on at the same time for a space program right they so... didn't want the army and and Werner Braun Braun and his former Nazis to be the ones putting a satellite in the space first before um, right. the Air Force did. So so Mads and, Mikkelsen's based off Nazi scientists that helped bring men to the moon. Okay. And the, the Russians got, got Sputnik up first, and uh, Werner Braun Braun like, well, I could have been there first if right. you just listened to me and use my rocket that actually works instead of this low budget you know Air Force competitor. That sounds a lot like kind of what happened. It blows up on the launch week. pad every time you try to light it up. So well, his my, uh, my, fa my favorite I'm sorry one of my favorite things about the early space program is I love that space program stuff right early right. 50s 60s right so we're here one to, of, we're here of, to talk about Indiana Jones one of the German scientists I don't know if this is totally true or not but yeah you know, one of the rockets didn't launch off the launch pad when they were when they were testing it it was like early in the program I guess and um these this German guys like I'll be right back Right. Okay. So he goes and gets he goes and gets a shotgun and goes outside to the rocket pad and starts shooting at the rocket. Okay. <laughs> cool. Okay. So back onto the movie. Yes. Yes. Um. It. It. They're on the train. A bunch of stuff happens. Uh. The the spear of Christ is fake. Mm hmm. Um. Uh. Indiana Jones realizes that, realizes that. Um. Nazi mathematician realizes it. Played by Mads Mikkelsen. And then uh, they have a fight on top of the train. Um, Mads Mikkelsen's character gets knocked off. Um, they they have the uh, the the MacGuffin that's going to be the driving force for the whole movie because uh, what's his name? Uh, Nazi mathematician is like I don't the spear is fake, but I do have this half of this dial, uh, Archimedes's dial, the of uh, or something like that. Antithakira mechanism. Antithakira. He's got half of it, and like the main guy is like. Have you met Hitler? Like, yeah. you're going like, to bring oh, him something yeah. that he doesn't like, want oh, I'm sorry. have half of? You guy's like, yo, I'm sorry. You want me to go to Hitler and say that the spear that, you know, he's been searching for that could win the war is a fake. But you have this magic timepiece that can turn back time. Have you met the fear? <laughs> right, right. It's like really just really great, just pulpy uh, shit. And so, you know, at, at the end, they jump off the bridge. And they, and Toby Jones has the um the arithmetic the 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 rhythmic you know, the, thing. the mechanism, and it cuts to 1969. Uh, Indy's apartment. He's passed out on his chair. Uh, he's got a glass of scotch next to him. Uh, neighbors' kids start playing music, so it's the whole "get off my lawn" you know type trope. Damn so hippies! He, he's like telling him it's a work day. He's like Indy. Have you seen what's going on at the moon? And he's like, I don't care. And he's a professor at a college. And I'm assuming this all took place in New York City. Yeah. Yeah, it had to be New York. 
He's not he's, at the same college he was in the previous movies. No, was he in New York in the previous movies? I don't think it was explicitly stated. If not explicitly is. stated, but it was a bigger college than what he's at this in this movie. Right. Um, and again, it just kind of shows. So this whole movie is just kind of showing how Indy doesn't feel place at place in the time he's up in. And they go out of their way to show that. So it's kind of a you know the opposite of all the college uh, uh, you know scenes in the previous movies. He's talking about Archimedes being a brilliant inventor, being a brilliant mathematician. No one is interested. They're all sleeping yeah. during no, class. Nobody's paying attention. Total, nope. total, op- total opposite from the previous movies where the girls are making goo-goo eyes. And I'm going to say no running. one's got I love you written on their eyes and closing them and shit. Putting, putting apples on his desk and running over. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So it's our then. This is our introduction to uh, his uh, his goddaughter, uh, played by Phoebe Phoebe Waller Wall Bridger Phoebe Phoebe Waller Bridger, right? Phoebe Waller Bridger uh, from Fleabag <laughs> and um, Solo, and actually a pretty uh, oh uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge. I'm sorry, not Bridger. Phoebe Waller Bridge. Yeah, we'll get it right eventually. We'll sorry, Phoebe. Right. Phoebe Waller Bridge. Phoebe Waller Bridge. Phoebe Waller Bridge. I was going to call her seven, Phoebe. Phoebe. Um, <laughs> is uh indy's goddaughter introduction to her and she's like answering all the questions indy's asking about archimedes and it like perks up his interest he's like oh someone's actually paying attention to the to what i'm saying and then he's like retired uh had his had his retirement party gets a clock as a gift gives it to some homeless guy uh goes uh to a bar um phoebe meets him there she starts talking about uh, toby jones is her dad so that's how why indy is her uh god godfather so he starts talking about um, uh, she t- starts talking about Archimedes and the dial and everything, and it perks Indy's interest. So that he brings her to the she, school. Yeah, she's gonna do her master's theory, right, on Archimedes, and yeah. So he's like, she's like, do you still have this dial thing that he gave you? Like, I suppose I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He takes her to the college and mm-hmm. where he hid it. And in the in the meantime, we get an introduction to Mads Mikkelsen at the current time and his um, henchman, uh, one guy played by Boyd Holbrook, who was in, in another um, James Mangold movie as the guy with the robot arm and Logan, and then some big body guilt builder guy who just looks proportionally just terrifying, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> just he's, like built. Like, he's a he's a triangle. He's like probably seven eight feet tall, and you just just huge scary scary guy then there's a cia agent um and so you know it's not you know it's 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 talked about but it's not like super clear the whole dynamics but cia is helping him kind of get the dial as kind of a thank you for helping them get to the moon and if i remember correctly that was kind of your big complaint with the movie was that not being super clear yeah kind of not clear why is the why are these government agents working with him and his goons to track down the style? Why would they care? And I think um, later in the movie, after kind of he reveals who he is to the CIA agent, um, it's kind of like revealed that, you know, she because of all because what happens late next is kind of a big chase in New York between Indy and these, you know, these these goonies and um it's during a parade for the moon landing and Indy's riding a horse and it, it causes all this havoc. And it's later revealed that 
um, to her that he's actually a Nazi scientist. And I think because because the U.S. government dropped support for his stuff because they're like, you cause a you know, thing in New York, they're never going to help you. you. brought them to the moon. They got the, what they wanted type thing. Mm-hmm. So I think they're just kind of playing along until a certain point. It was kind of the impl- implication. But so there's a big chase sequence in New York and they got um, Indy kind of um, uh, what's the word hostage, I guess, would be the word, right? Yeah, it's the yeah. middle of the parade. There's like a protest for the Vietnam War. Indy starts playing around along. No, we won't go. No, we won't go. He's got a little smirk on his face because he knows he's like fucking with these guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's great. And then, yeah, uh, no, I'll keep going. Keep going. No, uh, um, I was just gonna say it ends. Um, then Sala basically helps Indy get to. Morocco and you realize Phoebe has some issues there like owe some people some money kind of like messed around with some people and she's going to auction off the dial yeah she doesn't care about uh historical antiquities as, as any further than what she can get paid for them right and that's just kind <laughs> she of she calls in she calls India grave robber right as good um, a moralist grave robber and don't judge her <laughs> the thief, he's like yeah and he gets all upset I was doing important academic work that belongs in a museum. Yeah. It's like academic nowadays. Like, I was a grave robber. And actually, he probably was a grave robber. Yes, he was. I found the fucking Holy Grail. <laughs> not not like someone's Holy Grail. I found the actual cup of Christ. And I dropped it down a hole. <laughs> I dropped it down a hole. I, 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 I found a skull that was an interdimensional being that caused Eldorado to be the city of gold, but gold means knowledge, so it's a city of knowledge. Yeah. I found a magic stone that brought life back to the valley and almost had my heart ripped out. And, and I, uh, drink, I drink the blood of Kaliama, which was from some mummified head. <laughs> yeah. The only artifact he ever successfully recovered was the Ark. Yeah. <laughs> And that was and sitting he, in some warehouse. Yeah, it's sitting in the Area 51 warehouse. You saw it in uh, Crystal Skull. Well, the other thing is every other artifact in the series um, from like two two to four is something he returned or something that like he didn't steal. So people are you know making the point that, oh, he's a bad archaeologist just because of kind of the history in real life about archaeology. And I'm just thinking about it and just like besides like Raiders, there really hasn't been an instance of him taking something purely to like sell or put in a museum or something. Well, he didn't even go after the Ark to sell it. No, he went after it because the U.S. told him, like, don't let the Nazis get it because they're going to have the power of God kill everybody. Yeah. And Temple of Doom, he went after the Shankara Stones to help the village and save yeah. the children. And so um, with with Dial of Destiny, basically what happens after you know after morocco is kind of a chase to get to the second half of the dial and they realize it's actually uh, the first piece was found in the sunken ship um in like what the mediterranean sea or something mm-hmm. yeah and they realize the second half of the ship went lower and that's where the other half is so basically they're saying well that is where the other half of the dial is so they go uh and he's like i got a good uh, uh sea diver friend and it's played by Antonio Banderas, who's got one of the greatest cameos I've ever seen in one of these movies. He's the great. greatest frog diver in Spanish history. It's got like a got like a bum leg and yeah. <laughs> this really crappy ship. And so you know they're getting to the point, and um, him and uh, Phoebe are bonding, and um, she's kind of 
And the, the so it's great about her character is you really can't trust her, but like she ends up, you know, looking at Indy as like a godfather type situation. But what follows is is like probably the finest acting Harrison Ford has ever done. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, when and he talking about when Phoebe asked him what he would travel back in time. Yes, for. yes, yeah, and that, it's that I think that's what got her character to come around to his point of view. Yep, or actually like him a little bit more, maybe. And everybody who said shit about, I don't care what you think about Shia LaBeouf. I, Shia LaBeouf is a freaking nutcase. Um, but. People hate on his character. That's fine, whatever. But what happens here? Just so tragic, and it's all like, is why Indy is the way he is in this whole movie. Basically, he said, you know, I would, I would go back in time to tell my son to not enlist in, you know, the Vietnam War. I would tell him he would die. I would tell him his death would tear me and Marianne apart. I would tell him I wouldn't be able to reconcile and I wouldn't be able to help her grieve, and it would drift us further and further apart. And he's like choked up as he's saying it, and it's not even like it's a big scene or it's like it's like maybe like 30 seconds of dialogue right yeah it's not a very long it's almost a throwaway and it it is so well it is so well um written it is so well acted it just like hits you in the gut and um you know she's she just kind of like she still got the wedding ring on (laughs) yeah um well that's an indie trait because you know, in the fourth movie, you know, she's they're yelling at each other, bickering with each other, and um, she goes, "He's he's freeing her Marion from her rope, from her ropes." And uh, it's like you, I'm sure there are plenty of other women. And it's like, yeah, there are other women. They all had one problem. They weren't, they weren't you. you, sweetheart. You're right. It's such a great line. And she's got this big grin on her face. And... You're right. And um. So basically what happens is kind of a race to get to the second half. And of course, uh, eventually the Nazis get it. And um, just full spoilers here, folks uh, who haven't seen the movie. If you don't want to hear what happens, well, then I guess don't listen. Yeah, put a big old spoiler, you know, spoiler card up here. Spoilies. Um, Spoilies. So basically what happens is... uh, Mads Mikkelsen's character, Nazi mathematician, his whole goal is to go back to 1939, stop Hitler from invading Poland, kill Hitler, course correct the war, because he's it's his he's basically wants to be like the new Hitler. Like there's um there's a line early in the movie where some uh uh service uh bellhop at hotel brings in some room service and you know you know Mads Mikkelsen's like yeah it's a it's a black man and he's like where are your people from and he's like I'm from Boston and he's like. No, really. Where are you? Oh, where are you from? I'm from Boston. Where are your people from? I, I was, was born. born yeah, I was born like three miles, like three blocks away from like the White Sox stadium or something. Yeah. Did you did you serve your country? It's like yeah, I fought in Normandy and you know set up infantry and he's like you didn't win, Hitler lost. And uh, the CIA agent um, later when she when she gets shot by him and he reveals that he's a Nazi. I read an article today about the um, actress basically saying she had issues with the lines there being very offensive and kind of problematic. And, you know, we don't know what was originally written, but I'm I'm assuming it was something to deal with like race and eugenics coming out of Mads Mikkelsen's character. And she was yeah, talking. Because other than that one time, he doesn't say anything overtly, you know, racist. No. And it just kind of like, 
um, she said how great it was that James Mangold collaborated with her, like her issues with that. And he's like, yeah, we I flagged that as something we needed to maybe, you know, fix. And like, so you don't need that in there twice, especially when it's coming after a character, you know, dying. Um, and I'm like, I don't know what the line was or anything, but I'm assuming it had something to do with that. But um, so they're on the airplane to go to the time storm or whatnot, and he's got the the coordinates to go back to 1939. And Indy um, is like, you didn't take into account continental drift. You didn't take into account continental drift. And of course, Mads Mikkelsen's like, I don't believe you. He's bluffing. And like, my gets, math is correct. Right. And then he's like, starts doubting himself in, in his own head. It's like, abort, abort, abort. And by the time it's too... Uh, too late they go into the time portals 2012 bc archimedes the battle indy was talking about the beginning of the movie with the claws grabbing the ships and stuff and they all the nazi characters are like full like nazi uniform right now so it just becomes full like 1950s like pulpy sci-fi novel now they're in back in time on an airplane during this big ship battle (laughs) it's so fucking goofy i love it yeah (laughs) and then i love how i love how um confident uh mads mickelson's character is when he gets on that plane he's he's wearing his uniform he's he's so proud of himself right. he's figured this out he's won he's gonna go back and fix everything well it's his first introduction he's in 1969 he's in a hotel is about an hour he's gonna meet the president his like his like uh assistant or something's like you gotta you should probably like de-wrinkle your seat you're about to meet the president and Mads Mikkelsen is talking to a reporter who's like recording it for some article or something. He's like, well, if the president um, is concerned about a few creases, he should find a new mathematician. And the reporter's like, can I, that's good. Can I use that? His assistant's like, no. And he's like, yes, because you can. So there's already that sense of ego and like self-importance, like right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he knows, he knows he's smart. Right, right. So there's no more continental drift, apparently. <laughs> um. So then basically Nazis are are in 2012 AD uh getting killed by harpoons and crap and um you know they it, the Indy and um Phoebe jump out of out and uh come across Archimedes and Archimedes is like realizes what's going on and it's revealed that the dial was actually created just to go this point in time to like help out with the battle because the the tomb uh that like the last part of the dial was in um all the engravings had all these like griffin looking things with propellers so they make a point to be like this doesn't seem right yeah um, is the skeleton is wearing a modern watch oh yeah it's wearing a modern watch too it was which was a Matt mickelson's character's watch and like see so they're already kind of setting up something ain't right here and like you know indy's like i i'm i'm staying like i got nothing left for me in the future at my current time and yeah. he is well, I'm saying he's just so enamored. He's like, we're watching history. It's like his hero. It's just like, <laughs> this is what I live for. This is why I did what I did. Like, no one cares at my current time. Like, there's nothing yeah. for me now. And I, you know, I forgot to mention he got shot a bit earlier. So he's like, like he's losing bleeding. blood. And, yeah, he's, he's bleeding, bleeding out. And so he's talking to Archimedes and Phoebe is pleading with Indian Archimedes saying, there's nothing for him here. Like, he can't help you. He needs to go back to his own time. And, you know, any in the Indiana Jones movie where he grabs the hat and punches someone, um, Phoebe does that to him, cuts to black. He goes, I need to do this. Yeah. This is something I need to do. It's like, so So is this. <laughs> cuts to black. 
1969 he's in his apartment he's all bandaged up he wakes up phoebe's there and, and you know she's like oh glad you're awake and he's like why'd you do that there is nothing for me here like, yeah there is what and you know marion walks in and like you know she realizes that you know he was i heard you were back and like are you back as in like are you back to your old self type thing is what i'm assuming it was yeah it's like what are you doing I'm getting groceries. I'm putting them away. <laughs> I've never seen the apartment with no food in it. Like, she... yeah. And like Saul, oh, I forgot to mention Sala like shows up throughout the movie. Um, Indiana Jones helped him and his family, you know, escape, go away from Egypt, move to New York. And he's just kind of his buddy there. He's a cabbie. Yeah. Yeah. And so he um... still knows everybody. He's still, he's still getting that info from the street. Right. Right. And I forgot to mention Phoebe had a had a, a kid a kind of orphan character who kind of like joined her who's kind of throughout the whole movie and his whole purpose is basically to have a plane for them to get back um, from 2012. I mean he's a cool character and he's, he's kind of fun. He he's is. a fun character. Yeah, he's he's like a what like 14 years old maybe. Yeah, so older than short round, but still the same type of kind of like sidekick character, but not an annoying sidekick character. He's no. Very... Capable of uh, taking care of himself, he he's not like a whiny brat through the movie. He's not obnoxious. No. He's an actual he's an actual character. But yeah, he <laughs> that guy that yeah he he said he steals a plane at the end. Um, Phoebe's character it almost seems like she just tells him to go start that plane up just to get him out of the way so she can sneak onto the Nazi plane. Mm -hmm. and save Indy or try to save Indy and uh, he ends up taking a plane and doesn't know that there's a guy behind right. him Where's my plane? <laughs> you're stealing my plane as they're like get, going through his time vortex in this big storm you're stealing my plane yeah and then the guy took it everything pretty well he goes back in time 2000 years and sees all these roman what is what is he gonna do you know what i mean it's like his plane is <laughs> like what is he gonna do like that, like get, get me out of here like you're stuck in the past buddy yeah. <laughs> it's like a random italian guy just like sleeping in the back of his plane that he owns um so the end of the movie like um phoebe takes sala and and the kid i forget the kid's name and Sala's kids out to go for ice cream, and then oh, Teddy, 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 yeah, yeah. And you know the the last scene kind of mirrors the scene from Raiders on the you know, uh, on the merchant ship, yeah. Mm. Like what hurts? Everything hurts. Where? And then she like points to her elbow. This hurts, and he kisses her elbow and like points her like shoulder. So it's that, but reverse, where Marion's doing it for Indy, and it's very very sweet. In the last shot of the movie, hats hanging out. Out, outside the apartment on a clothes hanger, you know, can't, you know, Irish circles is. in. Yep. He grabs a hat in the movie. The adventure so, continues to the ice cream store. Right. And you know, I mean, here's the thing with this movie like, is it as good as the, you know, first three? No, it doesn't need to be. No, it's very, very different. It's very much just kind of, kind of closing this, this character and his kind of archetype because it's very much about, it's almost like a statement on nostalgia, like blockbusters, because it's this character who's in this time period he doesn't belong in. And it's just kind of showing you like how it you shouldn't like stick to the past and you should just kind of like just, you know what I mean? Mm hmm. Yeah. James Mangold is going to corner the market for himself on uh, retiring beloved characters. Oh, yeah. Logan is phenomenal. Yeah. 
So this is the second the second time he's retired a beloved character. Right. And like he did like the movie was I mean, I really liked it. I thought he was his direction was great. Um he wasn't the only person to uh, write it, like David Kep wrote it and stuff, and a few other people that you know been involved when Spielberg was originally gonna direct. Um like is is the action as strong? No. And like Indy's an old man and they go out of their way to make him feel out of place in every situation. Like he's not punching people left and right. Like he's just trying to hit blows and you know, avoid get, getting hit and stuff. And it just he feels his age. It's he's not smart. I'm sorry, keep going. I was gonna say he feels his age. It's not um like comical where he how old he is. It's like let's speed up the old man type thing. No, it's just this old man that's forced onto this adventure and he does not feel he doesn't <laughs> feel in place in it. He actually gets better as the movie goes along the more he gets dragged into the situation yeah um he starts a movie off you know where he gets he comes across his um colleagues murdered and he's you know he's he's fumbling with the phone and he's trying to call the police he's like there's dead people here <laughs> and they frame basically frame him for murder because his thumbprint his bloody thumbprint is on the telephone right that's yeah that's right um, that's why he was escaping and Sala helped him get to the airport yeah he's trying they He's running away from the goons, and uh, he's like flagging down a policeman, saying, "There's people, there's, there's uh, people, not following me. They're trying to kill me." Right. He, he, and then he um, steals the guy's horse, but yes, he doesn't really want to get involved with anything. No. Um, his main purpose of the movie, starting off, is just to get his property back that phoebe stole from him that he right. stole from a nazi who stole it probably from somebody else well i guess something else we didn't talk about too is uh the 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 dial and uncracking the secrets behind it was driving toby jones character phoebe um phoebe's uh, uh father indiana jones's friend mad and there's like a whole flashback sequence where he's at his apartment indy comes in and you know he's you know toby's is going mad and and he's like, you're scaring your daughter. Like, you need to knock this off. Like, I will take it. Get it off your hands. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, that was another good um, de-aging. I know. And and it's such a good scene, too. And we don't get the these scenes in this, this series because it's just showing the dynamic between the whole situation. And, like, um, he's like, you'll destroy it. And he's like, yes, I will destroy it. And, like, obviously, he's not going to. He's just going to, like, put it, you know, somewhere to get, you know, just hide because he just yeah. he wants to save the relationship between Toby and his daughter. And you destroy it, right? Yes, Baz, I'll destroy it. Yeah, and he's like, like walking it, out. Like, don't forget, I won't Baz. Don't worry. Right. He's walking out, goes, he sees young, young Phoebe, and he's like, I'm I'm so sorry about this. I gotta go catch a flight. Cause he's he's like knows like she needs some like comfort right there, then and there. But he yeah. needs to get out and he's like, I'll call you as soon as I get back. And like, you know, the the um the the maid's there and he's like, You'll be here. And she's like, Okay, I'm sorry about this. He will be fine in a few days. I will call you when I get back. And she for he forgets his hat. So she grabs him his hat and brings it to him as he's in the cab. Yeah, I think this whole movie his character, it's like um he's for all of his adventures and efforts throughout the you know decades of looting tombs and stopping the Nazis and stopping the Russians and saving the world. He hasn't really gained anything. He's pretty much lost everything that he ever gained. Well, I mean, the other thing too, and it's like some of the reviews I've seen about this movie is like these, this isn't the same character. Like he's no longer the old Indiana Jones. And like the first three movies, like there's not much growth as a character. It's such a, such a generic kind of archetype. He's action man. 
he's action man that you know that's basically it like there's a bit with four introducing the son and marion again so like i always don't get that kind of argument when the character not to say he's a he's a not an interesting character but the characterization is so thin and it's saved just kind of by the the pulpiness of the movies and kind of harrison's performance in all of them you know, people are like, oh, this is a grumpy old man indie. All all Disney does is take our heroes and turn them, you know, to old you know, old grumpy people. And just kind of like, what would you do with an Indiana Jones movie where Harrison Ford is 80 and it has to take place in the 60s? Like, what would you do? And they're like, oh, I wouldn't do that. It's like, then what would you do? No, oh, yeah. you don't know? Then shut up. Maybe put him in the haunted house, like one of the original ideas for the right? It would be like an Atlantis one that turned into a game or something, too, I think. Yeah. I think Frank Donapart was actually going to work on four before um, David Kep and George Lucas got their hands all over it. <laughs> like it was actually supposed to be a script, and I think it was the Atlantis one. From what I hear, it was really like the script was really fucking good. <laughs> I guess I like George's. You know, I think <laughs> George is like constantly trying to convince Spielberg that his uh, ideas for India Jones are like the fourth movie. It's like it's aliens, George, but it, it's Steve. It's it's aliens. Uh, he's gonna gonna fight, you know, Moon Man. It's gonna be like 1950s B movie comic um, schlock. It's gonna be great. And you know, Spielberg is totally not getting the idea of it. And Lucas is apparently just, you know, keeps banging his head on the wall and is like, "You're not understanding the malleability of this character. He's not just a Nazi puncher." <laughs> I just, like, I just... Oh, oh, all right. Well, they're gonna be like. Aliens, but they're inter interdimensional beings. They're not really alien Martian men. It's like, oh, all right. Well, what do they look like? Aliens. I just imagine like Spielberg. George is like, let's do another movie. And Spielberg was like, yeah, let's do another movie. What's it gonna be about, George? It's gonna be aliens. I don't want to do fucking aliens, George. I've done ET. I've done Close Encounters. I've done War of the Worlds. I'm done with fucking aliens. Like, all right, they're not aliens, they're interdimensional, interdimensional beings. beings. <laughs> it's like, George, if I do this, will you fucking leave me alone? <laughs> like, that's what, that's what I feel what happened with that movie. George, like, yeah. gotta do aliens. We gotta do a crystal skull. I like, I like the crystal skull. I've and seen like, the crystal skull. You've seen the real crystal skull? Well, I've seen the crystal skull in the British Museum. Oh, nice. It's a I fake. Like, is it? Yeah, apparently, it is a fake. It's like, it's very impressive looking. Like made um, out of acrylic or something. <laughs> I don't know what that could. It's a crystal of some sort, but yeah, it's it's machined. Apparently, it, it looks very impressive. Yeah. Back when I saw it, it was still considered legitimate mystery. Oh, nice. I remember. I, I remember Crystal Skull came out. They had all those like like History Channel documentaries and all the different like Crystal Skulls that have been found throughout history. Oh. I don't like. Do you think there's like because they say they're made they're made by things that that like machines can't do and stuff and it's just kind of like. Okay, I don't believe that. <laughs> I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's, it's aliens. aliens. Um, so Maybe. Indiana Jones Five. Oh, my head disappeared. Oh shit! God, the green screen <laughs> is really messing with you. Your mm -hmm. mic is turning into the uh, the the cliff of the uh, Syria Nevada you got going on there. Mm -hmm. Um, would you say Indy Five is a good end to end the series on? I think it is. Yeah, there's not really more you can do with the character. No, he's and that's a he's an old man now. Unless you gave it to a different character, like he doesn't even he's not the main action man of this movie. It's uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge. Bridge is the main person doing all Fiona, the action. 
Fiona Shaw, I just remembered her name. I am sorry for not saying that for the yeah. first 40 minutes of this. Yeah, the character name is Fiona, yeah. Fiona Shaw. And that's kind of what she's I was... The one doing, she's the one doing all the main action stuff. Right. That's what I was kind of thinking watching this. It's just like, if they were to do more with this character, they should have done it in the 80s. And maybe done like one every two years or something. Mm. But the thing is, you can't do anything now due to Harrison's age, due to kind of this type of movie not being popular kind of archaeology kind of being not a not a fun you know not a you know cool thing for the to be happening these days because of um you know museums having a history of you know appropriating different cultures ob you know artifacts and stuff and removing them and you know all that all that kind of, of you know fun stuff so like i i feel like they did what they could with this one in in a way that wraps everything up very nicely while giving you a bit of nostalgia but but also kind of doing something new and different with indie yeah, I and, thought it was a better ending than Crystal Skulls was. Yeah, even though, even though it's more depressing, right? And I mean, I I really like this movie. It's not doing well at the box office, but nothing is this year. No, it only got what sixty million for the opening weekend here. Yeah, and that's I want to kind of point out one of the reviews I saw online. So I'm going to read this for a second. I just like the way this is written, and also. I also want to point out, do you know Jeremy Johns, that YouTube uh, reviewer at all? The guy, the guy who's always like, like, uh, got like the, like the, like the um, blazer and like the red shirt. And he's like, um, drinks required or whatnot. Like he reviews movies at the end. He's got like, mm. you, if you saw him, you know, what I'm if I saw about. him, maybe I'm horrible with names. So I haven't listened. I haven't watched him in years. Cause he, oh, he used to be kind of a you know decent critic. And then it just became the whole kind of like pop culture anger anger you know baiting type crap and so his his review for indiana jones was kind of in my feed as, as i was kind of like watching a different di bunch of different kind of um discussions on past films in the series and i was like i'll check it out see what happens for first like screen he's on like he's like eh, guess we gotta talk about it like already right there you're coming in with an agenda that you're gonna like oh the, oh this guy yes I've, yeah and I've, i haven't watched his I, I tried watching some of his videos but I think it was one must have been one of the ones where he would like you said he mustn't obviously be coming with a set Some, idea right. and he's making everything rationalize his idea of what the movie was or how bad it was right and that's you know I was kind of irritating because he's like the action is so bad and so bland and uninspired and he's talking about the scene as Phoebe is driving the motorcycle in the rain to get on the plane before it hits the like the time storm and he's like you know, you got you know you got bland action when you got rain and you can't even see anything and I'm watching this and it's like it's so dark I couldn't see anything and I'm like watching it you can see everything perfectly fine it's not a freaking action sequence it's her it's driving nighttime. a motorcycle it's nighttime she said they add this rain so they can hide it they're hiding this rain because they explain there's this storm where the time like shift thing happens and then like it's not even an action sequence she's driving a motorcycle to jump onto the wheel of a plane as it's going into the plane as it's taking off. Like, that's all that scene is. That is all that scene is. And that was his criticism for the movie, saying Indy was a bland, you know, they, they turned him into such a grumpy man character and like Disney does this and crap. Which brings me up to this review I saw from this website called Outkick. And the way this review is formatted here, let me, uh, let me screen share this with you. This is, okay. this is. This lay it weird. on, lay it on me here. Lay okay, so this is this website Outkick. I've never heard of it before, so I know nothing about it. But this review, um, it's by David Hookstead. Um, and like the way this is formatted is like something some guy wrote 
and like like even the screenshots like don't line up with another like this is like the laziest web formatting and it's like two paragraphs of a review that's like put up as um hmm. okay so indiana jones and the dial of destiny may not be as bad as critics have painted it to be but that's not the main takeaway the main takeaway is simple why was this movie made and like money and like that's why any movie money. Any movies made is money, so it's just kind of like I ventured away from my outkick den this afternoon to catch up the fifth and final film with Harrison Ford. Indiana Jones has been a film franchise I've been obsessed with since I was a little kid. In terms of series, it's among my all-time favorites. No way I was going to miss Ford's last time as the legendary archaeologist. However, it's not a secret Dial of Destiny has received some awful reviews. It's been more or less universally panned and is expected to be a box office bomb. What is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny about? The plot of the fifth Indiana Jones isn't overly complex, and he discovers an item that might be able to manipulate time while he's battling the Nazis in World War II. Fast forward to 1969, and that's where the majority of the film takes place. The object is still the center of the entire movie, but now the Nazis Indy was fighting have been brought over to help America's space program. It's clearly based on Operation Paperclip. Is that that thing? Uh, you're talking about that I, yep. I, I I rudely interrupted you about. I apologize. Yep. Yep. Okay. Getting the Nazi scientists over to America to work on space for us. That, that is awesome. Is there any books or anything you think people should recommend or anything that people should watch on that? Because that sounds actually pretty cool. Oh, I'm sure there's, I can't name anything off my head. Maybe just like some like History Channel documentary or something. Just look up Operation Paperclip in Wikipedia. Yeah, basically. Okay. You'll dive into a deep hole of, <laughs> of uh, space stuff, but it's interesting. It's a very interesting time period. Uh, good news about the film. It's isn't nearly as bad as critics have painted it to be. Is this the review I'm thinking of? Maybe. I think this is the wrong review. Well, that is embarrassing. Well, basically, yeah, this is not the review I was thinking about, but I think it's a website unless they changed it. Here, give me a second. Wait, maybe it's this one. That's a bad one. Oh, my God. 2.5 out of 5. This might be it, but I don't know. I can't find the review, and I do apologize. I thought I had it, but basically they were saying, the whole review was saying what they would do with the fourth one. Why not bring Short Round? He's been doing, you know, Hugh uh, Quay's been lapping up the sun line, you know, since uh, winning the Oscar and everything. Why not do all this, all that? Why, why, why do something? It's just kind of like my biggest issue with criticism nowadays is they're getting mad at things for what they want them to be and what they aren't. And the thing is you look at something for what it is, you either praise it or you don't like what it is, but you don't criticize or praise something for what it isn't. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's, I, uh, it's, if it doesn't match with your fan theory, right. Everybody's canon, got own... canon in your head. It's a bad thing. Right. That's my biggest issue with this toxic, you know, fandom shit we got going on is everybody's got a take and they want their take to be the only take, which is um uh, cool, but that is not a critique, that is not a review. You're what you, what a review is is you're looking at the actual film, you're talking about it, what works and what doesn't work. What these people are doing is like it is not what I wanted, it is not what I imagined for the character, so it's bad. It's like no, that's bias right there. Yeah. You're upset it isn't what you had in your head, but look for at it for what it is. You cannot like it for what it is, but don't get mad at it because it's not what you wanted type thing. Like, I wanted the short round with, you know, short round adventure. And it's just like, that's not what the movie is. 
if any if, if they brought short round in, then people would be complaining. Why'd you bring in short round? He's not doing anything. He's just there for nostalgia purposes. You can't please anybody today, as 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 I as I said many times. The internet is full of opinions. Everybody's got no opinion, and they're like assholes. They all stink, including mine, including yours, including the this guy back here. Yeah. So we we both liked Indiana Jones. We thought it was a good fitting end to the series. Um, I, if you have any interest in the series and in the movie, I recommend you seeing it in the theater. If not, wait till it drops on Disney Plus. But there are four other movies in the series, Pete. Did you know that? I think I heard about that somewhere. Right? There's what? There's uh, Raiders Lost Ark. There's Temple of Doom. There's The Last Crusade. And there is um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So, Raiders, Pete. When did you first see Raiders of the Lost Ark? Uh, we talked about this in the first episode. It was like at the theater or something, right? Yes. I, it was like a re-release. It had to be a re-release because it came out in 81. And I was probably alive at that time, but I was not old enough to remember anything that happened. So it had to be a re-release uh, sometime around um, The Last Crusade in 89. Because Crystal Skull, or not Crystal Skull, <laughs> Last Crusade <laughs> and it was one of the first movies that I can remember seeing. The first movie is um, Batteries Not Included. Right. But I distinctly remember watching um the last crusade and donovan you know going mummified because he chose poorly right and i remember watching um raiders and everybody you know they had it blowing up and they had melting and a shrinking and all the nazis getting the light beam through them and uh totally i remember that seeing that in the theater and scared the hell out of me so somewhere around 89, I first saw the indie shows. And then Temple of Doom on TV and a TV edit. Probably on a daytime, you know, Saturday night movie type of thing. Right. And it's crazy to think about Raiders of the Lost Ark is for action films, what Star Wars did for sci-fi. Yeah. It's just kind of just this melding of things that came before in like a new and fresh take. Um it's got supernatural elements. It's very pulpy. Um, the action is well shot. It's you know John Williams' score. Dial of Destiny, not, John Williams, 90 years old, writing 130 minutes of music for Dial of Destiny, and it's as good as anything he's ever done. Like He's not just one of the best film composers. He's just one of the best musicians to ever exist on this planet. <laughs> yeah, and then the um, cinematography of Janusz Kaminski. For Raiders. He didn't do Raiders, did he? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, because he's. No, started... I'm sorry. Slocum. Slocum. I was going to say, yeah. Slocum. Yeah, News did uh, Crystal Skull because he's, he's worked with Spielberg on everything since. Um, uh, Schindler's since List. Schindler's List. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Slocum. <laughs> the, I remember the, hearing the story about Slocum and Spielberg. You know, Spielberg's, you know, detainingly, he, he wants to get this shot and he wants to be this angle. He wants to be at this time period. And Slocum's like, Oh, what a lovely shot! <laughs> and he goes right. off and he goes off and figures out how to do it. And he's like, "Oh, what a lovely shot!" Yeah, like, I'll be right back. <laughs> it's just such a um. And everything in that first movie, on Raiders, just ten out of ten. Right, knock it just, out, knock it out of the ballpark. Everything it's a, is. It's a perfect, perfect movie. 
all the effects like it's great practical work it's great like optical effects um great it's stunt it's work great stunt work great action great acting um it's like him uh trying to get the the ark of the covenant before the nazis do world war ii it's you know, like very pulpy um it, it's a perfect um like you said it's a perfect bringing the 1930s pulp actions you know dime store novels um one real cliffhanger adventure right. serials into the modern you know modern of the 80s um moviegoers attention like they just spielberg lucas and everybody just knock it out of the park no, i love absolutely. the I, I love the idea of spielberg you know complaining to lucas that he wants to make a, a james bond movie but they'll never give it to him right and lucas is like well i got something that's better than james bond well that's the thing is like spielberg really wanted to do james indiana bond. indiana smith right Smith. no jones like what about yeah yeah crazy... i'm gonna say that's kind of a fun story because he wanted to direct a james bond film and they wouldn't let him and from my understanding, like Star Wars came out, him and Spielberg went to Hawaii over opening weekend, just thinking the film was going to bomb. And they're just there to just kind of be like, we'll be away from this mess if it blows up on on you know, on me. Yeah. And, you know, they made a pact the night before on like the beach and they like drew it in the sand or something from my understanding. And they said, if this film does well, you got to do Indiana Jones for me. And he was like, OK. Sold out West Coast opening week and like okay we got to make these now yes <laughs> lucas was like he had no faith in star wars it seemed like it was i'm very i'm sure he was just a nervous wreck he went through so much on that movie just to try to get it made yeah and then getting ilm to do the work that he created them to do in half the time because they goofed off and messed up all their effect shots before from my understanding, because his wife at the time was the editor on that movie, and from my understanding, she's the one that saved the movie in editing. In Star Wars? Yeah, the original Star Wars. Yeah, that's what I heard, too, that the the, the movie was saved in the edit. Yeah. And Indiana Jones came out, blew the Edit world. Editors, editors are, are uh, underappreciated sometimes. They are. And you know what's kind of interesting, but Brian Singer's career is over now just be, due to being a... Uh, creepy creepy guy mm -hmm. um, his editor is also the composer on his films so i think that's kind of interesting you're editing a movie and you know what the movie needs musically so you'd be able to like do that i don't i don't know of many like editor uh composer combos no i don't think i've ever heard of like, it's not it's not like an interesting combination like and that's, like you, th you think about it, it's like that actually makes sense that's an interesting is interesting trivia fact yeah fuck brian singer by the way yes yes <laughs> This is this whole thing is bringing uh, like 16, 17 year old uh, guys to his house in uh, Hawaii, offering offering them to be the next Wolverine in exchange for. Uh... Yeah, anyways, <laughs> don't need to get into that. We don't need to get into that. We did that with Ezra Miller last week. <laughs> um, Raiders is, is one of the perfect action films. The finale is just great. You know, him and Marion are you're know, tied to a stake as the Nazis are taking, you know, uncovering the you know, Ark of the Covenant. And he's like, Marion, don't look. Don't look. You know, and then of course the Nazis look and it kills them all. And one guy's head explodes. 
And the film, I don't know if you knew this, but the film actually got an R rating with the head explosion. So they added like optical fire over yeah, it to kind of yeah. make it less, uh, less gory. <laughs> it didn't work out. And what they, follow- had no, they had no, no objections to the guy's face melting. Right. But yeah, the head exploding. No, 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 no. You can't do that. And what follows for Indiana Jones is Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which is um, one that is as hated, a bit less so, but very strongly hated by a lot of people that like the franchise. And it's uh, a prequel. With Crystal Skull. And I kind of put it as like the ones they don't like. And this is, this is honestly my favorite one. It's an overlooked movie. I mean, I don't think it's your favorite. You're just calling me Raiders. It was Curse Fate, I'm assuming. My ranking is one, two, three, five, four. Yeah, so the originals in order, and then flip flop the new ones. Right, mine, mine, and I'm kind of cheating here, but again, I'll get into this bit. I think Raiders and Last Crusade are so similar. Uh, Temple of Doom, Raiders, Crusade, Tide, um, Dial of Destiny, and then Crystal Skull. And I like it's not like I think Crystal Skull is all the way down at the bottom. I just you know it's just like you know one or two, one, three you know five and then four it's not like people are like at the bottom of the list is crystal skull because that one sucked yeah um so doom is very very different and this is why it is my favorite because it is the most pulpy it is the most kind of like indiana jones on this random adventure you caught him in the middle of this you know it begins with him in china a club obi-wan lucasfilm uh connections are going on he's 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 trading um was it gems or something? Um, for for the uh, for the ashes, like the cremated remains of one of like the Chinese uh, emperors, like of the first dynasty or something. Yeah, he's yeah, he's trading this guy's re- this emperor's remains for like yeah, a big giant. Yeah, that blue diamond, blue diamond, diamond. Yeah, yeah. And he got he kind of like he gets like it becomes this whole kind of like like gangster like scene in the club where they're shooting him and stuff and he's trying to get away and he he he, he enters the movie like james bond he's right the, right he's got the white, white suit tux. on he's got, he's got the his red white that... tux he never right. don't see him until he sits down at the table and that's because the opening like, of raiders is always... so different it's so mysterious like he's in shadow it's like you know shots of him from behind and stuff but no it's just right up front he's like hey how's it going yeah, the I'm whole Indiana movie starts Jones. off with a song and dance number because yes. people said he always wants to, he always wanted to do a dance movie. He he finally ended up doing um, West Side Story a right. years ago, last year. I still haven't I, seen that. Here it's good I, though. I always wanted to do a dance movie or a song and dance like a music theater. <laughs> so he starts the whole movie off with a big dance number. Right. Like we're out of the no out of nowhere. This is totally out of you know. This is only the second movie in the series, but it's totally totally different from the first movie. Right, and that's why I fucking love it. And then Willie Nelson, um, or Willie Scott, where the hell her the females Will- character? Willie Scott. Willie Scott. Yeah, she gets she gets sucked into into the whole thing, and you know Indiana Jones has got his little um you know sidekick short round you know uh, he quake Quan who's just delightful in that movie and continues to be a delightful person till this day. Um, they escape on a plane. The plane is run by the people, you know, and they, you know, that, you know, we're, you know, causing issues in, in China. Working, that... working for the gangster. Yeah. And, and, and um, liaisoned by Dan Aykroyd. Thank you. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> me me and words don't work none too good times at some. Um, they go on a raft to get out of the plane because there's no one running it. 
And they and dump then, the fuel so he can't fly anywhere. Right. And then they end up in this Indian village and like, you know, children are missing. The stones are missing. So they're like, well, we'll take you to um, uh, Bengal. But first you need to uh, you need to go to this mansion and figure out what's going on. And what's also great about this movie is and uh, people hate Willie, you know, Willie Scott saying she's the most annoying character. And it is a joke. It is done on purpose because she is the exact opposite of, you know, Marion. She's the exact opposite of everyone in the movie. And um, and it just it just so the movie is so kind of dark and kind of like just it's a freaking like exploitation movie for kids um because you realize there's this like weird death cult existing in this temple underneath this mansion and you know the main guy's like ripping people's hearts out and um like indiana jones only cares about the stones but then starts hearing these cries and you realize there's actually like um kids being used for like slavery for mining and stuff yeah so they can find what what are they digging for they already got the stones I can't remember what they were digging for. Supposedly. I think they're just digging for diamonds or whatnot. You know what I mean? Just like an evil thing. And don't dig too deep because all that lava. They know the right, right. For whatever, so for whatever reason, there's you know giant pits of lava under this palace. The whole dinner sequence at the beginning where they're eating all the weird foods and yeah, again the the, mo- the Indiana Jones series in general is just full of just very dated um kind of you know racial stereotypes, stereotypes. Yeah. and like I I don't think Spielberg I don't know about Lucas he's kind of a weird dude I don't think Spielberg like went at it with like ill intention it's just like this is what I saw as a kid I'm just kind of making it bigger and grander you know, with regards to like adventure serials and stuff. Yeah, like if this if this was if that came out in the if this movie I'm sorry came out in the 30s, like there's you know set time period right. wise and thematically wise, um, I think they would fit right in. Right, and maybe maybe even be deemed progressive because you got Indian American actors <laughs> playing care playing you know fairly main leads, um, and Indian actors playing the main lead of the villain. They don't have. Right. They don't, have a guy in yellow, they don't have a guy in yellow face. No, I mean, uh, they do They do have John Rice davies who is in... Is he? He's not he's, Egyptian? He's. I think he's in brown face in, like, one and three. Yeah. yeah well, at, least, at, least, at least in Temple of Doom, they got uh, Amrish Puri as Molaram. Right. And, I don't know, it's just, it's just so, so, so much the opposite of everything else in the series. It's not some thing where it's the end of the world and he's got to fight Nazis or the Soviet Union or anything. It's just him on an adventure here you are it's this pulpy thing it's very kind of um kind of moody it's dark it's very well shot like the temple of doom set i don't know if you guys keep guys watching this video that's my background here it's just freaking beautiful the minecart sequence like every time i rewatch it is one of the finest chase sequences of all of cinema in the way it's shot in the way it just slowly escalates and the practical effects of it end of the movie is great villain gets eaten by alligators it's just it's such a freaking fun movie it's dark and fucked up but it's fun that chase that car chase scene doesn't really make sense if you think about it though none of these movies make sense and that is you know they they're jumping you know indy takes the wrong tunnel unfortunately because he doesn't listen to short round um but then bola ram has his thugs knock out the water tank and you know flood the tunnels Mm -hmm. Uh, none of that water probably will get to Indian Mary or Indian uh, Willie and Short Round because it would go down 
into the lava section. Right, right. That they go that they went over. It's like there's not enough water to <laughs> to go over that lava, or maybe it maybe it went down the right the the uh, correct tunnel and then caught up with them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So that, you... movie, that movie's kind of goofy in spots too. But it also helped create the PG-13 rating just because due to its content. And from my understanding, George Lucas was going through a really dark divorce during the time of the movie. And like Spielberg just didn't want any part of it. Yeah, it was, nobody wanted to be a part of the movie, apparently. Yeah. But unintentionally, it turned out to be fantastic. Right. Despite their best intention or worst intention. And then what follows is uh, Last Crusade, which people people either like most most people either like last crusade or um raiders 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 best yeah oh the the originals yeah and uh last crusade is fun like it's him um his his dad basically goes mad trying to like figure out where the holy grail is dad's played by sean connery uh you find out why indy's afraid of snakes because the first you know opening segment of the movie is a young indy played by river phoenix um you know that's that that whole thing's um, and so they yeah they do up all the the character traits that you see later in growing up indy or where where did he get the hat where did he get the the look of the leather coat and the you know the white shirt or you know tannish shirt and trousers um how to get his lip cut you know how to get his smear snakes you know he was already interested in treasure yeah so, like, yeah they're 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 setting up all all the things that people were complaining about for the Han Solo movie. It's like, how do you meet Chewbacca? How does he get his gun? How where do he get the how do you get his name? Yeah, yeah how, it's like they're doing all this in 1989, and nobody complains about it. I know. Like, how do you get his name, Han Solo? Oh, they gave him the last name because he doesn't have a last name. That's stupid. Solo is yeah. a stupid last name. Like, what are you talking about? How do you meet Chewbacca? Oh, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> Um, and again, it's 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 very fun. Um, him and Sean Connery work really well with each other. Um, the big thing is the Holy Grail, and you know, at you know, Nazis want it, and I don't know. It's just it's so similar to Raiders, so that's why they're kind of tied for me. Yeah, that's understandable. You punch one Nazi, you punch all the Nazis. Right, not to say punching it's still Nazis. Still a fun movie. Good. Yeah, it's still a fun movie. It's I like you know some of the. Yeah, you know, the action scenes where the Venice boat chase. Right, uh, I love the scene where they go to the castle, and he's like, he's he's like, he's, he's looking like, for he's looking for the tapestries. Yes, because they're like trying to get in, so he's got like the like add on, and he's got the Scottish accents. I heard you got the tapestries. He's like, do you not have, you have many tapestries? <laughs> but if you are a Scottish lord, then I am Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah. How dare he? <laughs> like just shows how good uh harrison can be at like a uh, uh, comedic acting yeah he's underrated <laughs> as he's when he like indiana jones is kind of a goof character when he wants to be a, most of the time he's very serious but right. he's, he is very underrated as comedic timing <laughs> if you are the, the british mickey mouse <laughs> and then there's a whole scene with the book burning because his his Indy's dad has a book with the location of the Holy Grail, and it's like 1932, you know, Berlin, you know, they're burning books. Indiana Jones runs into Hitler. Hitler signs his dad's book. And um, 
the fun behind the scenes fact about this, you know, George Spielberg is, is Jewish and you know, did Schindler's List, which is considered one, you know, is one of the best films of all time and, you know, raised a lot of kind of just awareness and stuff and with the Shoah Foundation and everything. So he's, he hates Nazis as all people should hate Nazis. Yeah. And so Nazis when they're not good, Nazis are not good people. No. And put that out right here, right now. It's like, I don't like Nazis. No. I think this the third one is either the third one or Raiders. They they found like a bunch of like Nazi uniforms. That's, like that's, the, that's the third. That's the third. Is, one is it this one? That the Burkburn Burkburn book burning scene. Yeah. I so they they they're actually scene. like real Nazi uniforms used in World War Two. Like they use them instead of like making them, and like at the end they just burn them all, which I think is great. <laughs> <laughs> but here's our Spielberg made everybody when when they did the the, the salute kind of cross their fingers behind their back to cancel it out. I think that's yeah. kind of a you know, cool kind of behind the scenes fact on that movie. Um, and the love interest is great because she's she's actually kind of the bad person. And you know, there's oh, Allison like, Allison yeah. Duty, Jenny Flex. Yeah, and um. <laughs> The, the the last scene of the movie is great. Like they ride off into the sunset. Him and British him, guys. Sala, and him, Sala, Marcus, and oh, Marcus yeah. is great because he's trying to get to them, and he like goes down the wrong area. He's like just a bumbling idiot, and like Sala yeah. like helps him finally. <laughs> oh my god! And then um, that brings us to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I've always liked. I've rewatched it a few times in the past few years, and it really holds up. And I, I told you to rewatch it last night because you're like, I'm just going to watch clips of it. And you ended up liking it more, didn't you? I did. I ended up liking it more than I thought I did. I even I didn't skip through anything. I watched every scene. Because you said you're going to skip through all the uh, Shia LaBeouf stuff. Yeah, I can't stand Shia LaBeouf. I, I, that's, that's, that's a fine and agreeable take to have. I can't stand Shia either. I don't think any other people can, well... I know he didn't do himself any favors on the press circuit for that movie. No. He, he hated working on the movie. He hated working with Spielberg on the movies that he worked with him on. He says he's more of a, he's a factory instead of a director. Like, mm, You're not the hot shit, Shia. Right. Just do it. It's like, do your job as an actor. No. Well, do you want to hear something funny? So, uh, the first three Transformers movies had like four-hour behind-the-scenes documentaries for them, and the third one, you know, the scene where um Optimus is taking the ship up to space, and Shia LaBeouf is sad. Mm -hmm. There's there's a whole thing of him getting into an argument with um Michael Bay because he's like, I'm not in the right mood for this scene, so he like ends up having the song blasted on the speaker, and he got he's just kind of like very somber he's like okay let's do it and gets into this fight with michael bay and just like you're in a fucking transformers movie why are you trying to be method in a fucking transformers movie like jesus christ like did he pull when he did fury as one well, of the tank men didn't he have two of his teeth pulled out for he had two of his because... teeth pulled out uh he apparently he he cut himself with glass i heard he shit in the tank because it's method and it fit his character like I, that's as that's as as cringy as um what's his name Jared Jared Leto sending like used condoms and everybody as Joker and just like that's like sexual harassment that's just like full on creeper like don't it's like urge that like there's method acting like Daniel Day Lewis and then there's method method yeah. acting there's 
justification for being a creep. Yeah, when I hear stuff like that, um, reminds me of Laurence Olivier and his comment towards Dustin Hoffman on Marathon Man. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman's he has to pretend to be you know um, sleep addled, but he hasn't slept in like two days. His character is, and he's um, being interrogated by Olivier's Nazi dentist doctor with a like a drill bit, and Dustin Hoffman kept himself awake for two days before the scene. So he would legitimately be, you know, on edge and anxious and, you know, like he, he wouldn't have to act that hard to be it because he wasn't. And Olivier was like, there's a thing called acting. You might try it. Right. Something to that, something to that effect. <laughs> it's like, you don't have to do that much. It's, if it's, you're an actor, use the, use the things that you learned in acting school. There, there will be blood, which another Daniel D. Lewis method acting. I just rewatched it, which is kind of why it's fresh on my mind. It's a fucking great movie. Um, the kid in it is not an actor. Any anything before or after, but the kid is great. And they really wanted this kid, and they got from like a school, and the parents were a bit hesitant. So they watch a Daniel Day Lewis movie, and it's one of the ones where he just plays like a nut nutcase, and I don't know what it, which one it is. But they heard that, so they quickly showed them ones where he's actually like a nice person, and they're like, okay, we'll agree to do this. Probably. Probably showed him Gangs New York first because that's I think that's one of the most was. recent ones that he did. From my understanding, like his character's got a glass. I've never seen it, but his character has got like a glass eye or something. He like taps mm -hmm. a knife to it, so Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis put a contact lens in so he could actually tap his eye with a knife. He never broke character. Yeah, he was always build a butcher on set and offset. And then if anybody ran into him on, <laughs> he'd be wander around. He'd still have the accent and. The mannerisms of Bill the Butcher and imagine him during like catering for there will be blood. I want a milkshake. No, I want a milkshake with a straw. I want a milkshake. You have a, a milkshake. Straw. And I want and a straw. I have a milkshake. And here's my straw. You see it? And I uh, go all the I way over to... here. Yeah. You can do it. You can do it pretty good. Do it. Do it. Do it. It's been so long since I've read this. Do I, need to, I need to find this, the quote, man. I'll, I'll keep talking while he, you find it on IMDb or something. <laughs> Peter is really good, by the way. Mm. Um, no, so Crystal Skull, get, get, get a little bit back on topic, came out in 2008. It's the you know, first movie since um, uh, Last Crusade, which is the late 80s. Indy's older. It's in the 1950s. Um, it involves the Soviets instead of the Nazis. Kate Blanchett is a Soviet Union person. Um, the MacGuffin is a crystal skull. They got to get to the crystal skull. She wants it because it can show her the secrets of the universe or something. Um, Indy gets reunited with his son. Uh, they go to Peru. They find the crystal skull. They go on this whole adventure to the city of El Dorado, where which is a city of gold, which I think is where Kate Blanchett's trying to get to get the knowledge or something or the power or something. I don't know. End of the movie. Um, the crystal skull is actually a skull of an alien being that's got a crystal skeleton. They all morph together, make one alien that's a gray alien. Place explodes, UFO goes up into the sky. <laughs> and John Hurt's like, you know, Indy's like aliens huh or something i don't know he said something or maybe shia labeouf or someone and you know john hurt's like hot aliens interdimensional beings yeah they they say that in the uh in the throne the throne control room yeah 
like aliens interdimensional beings is just like throwaway line of dialogue yeah. he's like george is george is like trying to not have it in the movie and spielberg's like <laughs> hey john hurt say interdimensional beings i don't trust george yeah steve yeah and then um oh yeah i don't trust yeah um and it's, you know, the city of gold, but gold has another a meaning, which is treasure and the treasure being knowledge because they're aliens and they, they helped them build this advanced civilization. Beginning of the movie, everybody hated because it's got groundhogs, it's got Elvis, it's got uh, uh, Indiana Jones hiding in a lead lined fridge. I, I feel he, bad for I feel bad for the residents of El Dorado, those all those natives. Right. Um, I think they all died. Like the temple collapsed. Yeah. Everything all everybody's spinning, were... all the rocks are spinning up into the air and then they crash down. And then anybody that managed to survive that, um, the river floods into the valley and submerges everything. So if they're... They're, they're like hiding in the walls and stuff too. And like people are saying, This is too ridiculous. This is so far removed from Indiana Jones. There shouldn't be aliens. He shouldn't be jumping out of a nuclear fridge and shit. And my argument to that is these movies. None of them are taken seriously. None of them have any lick of goddamn sense. You got like freaking stones that instantly give a village like trees and stuff. You got the Ark of the Covenant. You got the Holy Grail. You freaking got people ripping out people's hearts. I mean, it's just like you're either with it or you're not. And if you're not with it, then it's not a movie you should be watching. Yeah. I like the in Crystal Skull where, you know, the Kate Blanchett's Russian, you know, is asking Indy if he has any last words, and he's like, "I like Ike." You're right. And when he escapes, and he he is in the model village, or the model town, before the bomb drops off, the camera pulls back, and you see the the bomb tower and the and bomb. It says, "I like Ike." And it's the like, bomb. I like yeah. Ike. <laughs> yeah. It was. Oh, that can't be good. You're right. This is not good. <laughs> all, all, like he goes in the house and realizes they're all mannequins, and the TV's like playing Howdy Doody or something, yeah. and. Um, there's a whole chase sequence and the college he teaches at that's kind of fun. And like, like if you want to be an archaeologist, gotta get out of the library, right? And then he like he's like on the motorcycle sliding, and you, kids like uh, Indiana. Uh, what chapter was supposed to read? Pages thirteen and twelve. And <laughs> forget Hendrix. Check out you know Johnson. Something, right. Something. something. You gotta get out on the field. <laughs> So, like, again, the movie's not as strong as the first three, kind of like how the new one, Dial Destiny, is not as strong, but it still is an Indiana Jones movie, and it's still, like, it's, it's fun. I, I feel like it's gotten too much hate. I feel like situation like the Star Wars prequels is over time, people are starting to realize, oh, maybe all this hate was just because I was going along with what was going on, on the internet. Like, there was a whole website at the time called nukethefridge.com that all it was was just, like, really just toxic fan takes mm-hmm. and all these major, you know, you know franchises. Are you talking uh, about you're talking about like the character development of, of Indy, and he doesn't. The, Crystal Skull, he's mostly the same Indy as the previous movies. He doesn't really grow as a character until the very end. No, he doesn't. And that's what makes the fifth movie even harder, or kind of depressing because he's lost everything that he gained, yeah. and now he is a grumpy old broken man. Yeah. In twelve years, whatever happened in those twelve years? Right, and that's you know that's the thing. It's just like. End of four, he's got his family, he's got his son, happy ending, beginning of five. He's now the associate dean. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's right, he's the associate dean. Now he's teaching at this college and everybody doesn't want to learn about anything. 
his son's dead because he went to Vietnam to to spite Indy and it broke their marriage apart. Like, of course, he's going to be a grumpy old man. Like, I would be, too. He lost his house, too. He lost his house. Yeah. Like, I like I don't I don't understand people at times when they when they are they, they, This isn't the character I knew. Do you but not want your characters to change over time? Like, you want the same thing over and over again? That is why this movie is a take on nostalgia movies, because it's different. It's the character not as you know him. Like, if he gets spoon-fed the same shit year after year, you're going to get tired of it. Look at the box office right now, like, for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. Comic book movies are failing because it's the same shit year after year. Movies that are different, movies that are well done, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Spider-Verse 2, they do very well at the box office because they're good movies and they're different. Speaking yep. of that, Pete, milkshake, milkshake, <laughs> milkshake. You got it? Oh, where you want to start on it? Just do the milkshake line where you're like, I got a milkshake and you got a milkshake. Drain it. Drain it. Die, you boy. Drain dry. I'm so sorry. Here, here. You have a milkshake and I have a milkshake and I have a straw. There's, there's a straw, you see. What now? My star reaches all the way across the room and starts to drink your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. Thank Did you. Did you think your song and dance with superstition would help you? I am the third revelation. I am the one Lord has chosen. <laughs> I am the third revelation. Like, I'm I am a false prophet. Yeah. I have abandoned my son. I have abandoned my boy. I've abandoned my boy. <laughs> so I hate I hate men. I hate most men. He's such a fun character. Will be so great because like when he's at like, the beginning, when he's What are you so miserable about? There's a whole ocean of oil under our feet, and nobody can get it except for me. It's like, his, Amazing! His, his his speech to the to the townspeople. It's so great because he delivers yeah. it so believably. But there's a hint of the snake oil salesman, yeah. and he's like promising all these things. And like, I'm a family man. I encourage all my workers to bring their families. I believe children. Children are the future. So that means education. We will build a school. We will give you the finest education because children are the future. And I believe in that. But not only that. And I I. Don't mean anything wrong, and forgive me if I if I if I comes across wrong, but bread, having a piece of bread should not be a luxury, and with drilling comes uh water and irrigation, so this land will be able to, you'll be able to farm, and your kids will not go hungry. Yeah, say, so, I'm a family man. I run a family business. This is my son and partner, H. W. Blainfield. We offer you the band of family that few oil men can understand. So fucking good. He's such a fun character. He's so miserable. He's so evil too. Like he's just, he's just, he's just watching. And what's great is like, I love how this turned from Indiana Jones. So there will be blood. <laughs> I love how. Um, Welcome to Paul, the show, everybody. Paul Dano can see right through his lies. Paul yeah. Dano is not that good of a person either, but he can see. He can see through it lies. They both can see through the lies. Yeah. Right. It's such a good movie. <laughs> on on that note, I think we're done can, for today. You could see they could almost say they see through the lies of the Jedi. 
if they were Star Wars characters, they could see through the lies. Um, we'll get to Last Jedi, Pete. Huh. Just not today. I got issues with Last Jedi. You're talking about it. you're talking about the the fan shit posting on characters and being angry about character development and not fitting their their worldview. It's like hello. That's what I find very interesting about you, Pete. Is you? I mean, you you don't like Crystal Skull, but you like it better now. You like the new Indiana Jones. You like the you like the prequels. Uh, you like you like the sequels for the most part, except for Last Jedi. But so you seem like a pretty reasonable person when it comes to just you know accepting valid, things for what they are. Give me a valid are. argument, my and my you know, and I will and, I will consider it and take it under, and, and I will grow as a person as the years go by. All 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 your all your takes on Last Jedi. This is weird. It's weird. All your takes on the Last Jedi is every angry fan take, and I have not seen a single negative take from you on rise of skywalker because i would argue that movie is a bigger mess somehow palpatine returned the the whole line is in fortnite but it's not in the fucking movie yeah what the hell was that what the hell kind of promotion video is that like oh my in the, in the crawl the opening crawl is the dead speak it's like oh really Regardless of what anybody thinks of that movie, I think it's fun. Do I think it's the best ending? No, I think it's a rushed mess, but it is fun. It's well shot. It's well acted. Regardless of what anybody thinks of that movie, the best moment of 2019 being in the stadium, Star Wars Celebration Chicago, they show the trailer, Palpatine's like, eh, 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 eh. Ian McDiarmid pops up on stage with his mic. Lights are red. Roll it again. Mic drop. It's pretty dope. Yeah. And so, on that note. Well, I have a question for you. Did we yes. talk about what did you dislike about the new movie? What did I dislike about the new movie? Yeah, the new indie. Um We talked about I, what we liked, but I don't we, think I think dis- we talked about what we disliked. I don't think I disliked anything. My my biggest issue about rewatching it a second time, I kind of you know, I, I don't think it was as big of an issue, was kind of the pacing towards the middle. Mm-hmm. The middle's a bit kind of drags on for a bit and it's a bit slower than like the beginning and the end of the movie. But rewatching it a second time, and I feel like that might just been like excited for the movie and not knowing what's happening, you know, just kind of a you know anticipation type thing. I don't I don't have that issue anymore. So I don't I don't really have any issues with the movie. Yeah. I think the only issues I had were it's just minor, minor, minor things. Um, Marion Ravenwood, small cameo, but you know, there's not much for her to do in the movie. No, you wouldn't be able to do, you know, the adventure. Sala's tiny cameo, but again, he would have nothing to do. He doesn't really have that much to do in the original movies either. He, you know, the first one, he's he's more active because he's you know, they're all 40 some years younger, right? Uh, Antonio Banderas is the, the biggest disappointment because his small cameo. I wouldn't even call it a cameo. It's kind of just a small role. Like I, when I heard he had a cameo, I'd expecting him to be in one scene, but he's in maybe, um, like, maybe about ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, which I'd I'd argue is a bit more than a cameo. But yeah. I could have would have been fun to see them go back to World War Two instead of antiquity. Oh yeah, but you know, then it would, like Mangold said, it kind of turned into like a. Um, just an endless chase and be kind of yeah. boring. 
it's kind of funny like spielberg doesn't says i'm done doing like cartoonish evil nazi characters anymore <laughs> this is like the most evil cartoonish nazi character yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why you dropped out he's like I can't do this. Uh, I can't do this. Uh, 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 James Mangold with it. I just can't do this anymore. Yeah. I'm gonna go make Fablemans. You want an Indiana Jones? And he's like, <laughs> uh, "Sure, yeah, I'll take it." Yeah. You want to finish off another beloved character? For the most part, it's a fun movie. Jurgen Voller, you know, Mads Mikkelsen as the villain, very good. Yeah. Very. He's very. Uh, he's not dynamic. He's not, you know, shouting his head off, you know, foaming into the mouth type of comic character kind of villain. He's very methodical and right. It's not. Paced. He's not an emotional villain till the end when he yeah. realizes he is wrong about the equation. I, and I don't I can't I, stay in this time. Right, and that's it. You know, he's saying in German, but I don't know German. You know, abort, abort mission. And yeah, that the whole sequence. He's like, he's like thinking about it and he said whether he's, and he's telling the truth about the yeah, continental the only time, drift the only time he gets any emotion is when they go back in time and he's like and he's he's so happy he's like he turns around and you know his hair is askew and he's like i did it i did it and then he realizes where he is because he thought yeah. he was in like world war ii for a second he sees the ships and he's like what is this? i can't stay and, and indiana jones is like you took us to the wrong war this is the war of Syracuse. It's like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> it was like gloating in his face with the fact that he was wrong. It's great. Yeah. He's probably the most developed villain of the whole series, and the series doesn't really have that much developed villains. Yeah. They're, and I think it's... They're cartoon characters. For oh, absolutely. Like and I think it's very smart that the World War II stuff at the beginning ties into it at the end, because it, mm -hmm. you know, kind of, you know, kind of adds more cohesion versus like, let's just have this thing in here for no reason type thing. Seriously, I thought his character should have died or got some kind of major injury with that. How he exits the the pre the uh, opening sequence, right? Right. <laughs> he just like he's just like on the side of the train, chunk. Just this, gets, yeah, like, this, this water pipe thing comes and walks him off the off the train and, and the like, head too. So I was expecting him to like have some like scar or something. He has like this little scar over his over his eyebrow, but it's on the wrong side of the face. <laughs> okay, so. We talked about uh, Dial of Destiny. We talked about the Indiana Jones series. We talked about There Will Be Blood, which is a fucking masterpiece. And I think that wraps it up uh, for this installment of Kinozoid. Uh, thank you as much as ever, Peter, for joining me on this discussion of uh, Kinos and Zoids. Yeah, yeah. And without further ado, I'll see you guys next time we'll see you guys next time you can follow us on facebook on instagram uh tiktok you know watch this on youtube or spotify whatever and until next time i'm david frouchy i'm peter oldlog and stay celibate for celluloid mm -hmm.